0: Of everyday strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, CB Baker. Uh, we're going to do a continuation of our financial freedom series. And today's part, uh, today's topic is um, basically climbing out of the hole and of your in your financial well-being, whether you're at the top or at the bottom, mm-hmm. peak of valley. But we're going to talk about now coming from the peak. I mean, after the peak, coming from the valley mm-hmm. and getting back to the peak and and what happens in between there, sure. the trials right. and tribulations. And then the we'll talk about how you'll start doubting yourself mm-hmm. sometimes. And, and God forbid, start doubting God's plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so we and, and I know from the pulpit, Dr. Daniels, you talk about that a lot. Right. And, and keeping that faith. Um, so let's dive into it, Dr. Daniels. So. Before we started the, the podcast, we was talking about, and I was telling you, for my business aspect and mental health, everything, there's a lot of challenges going on right mm-hmm. now. And I told you, I said, well, the funny thing is, everything that you said to me that that could happen or would happen actually has happened. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been challenging. And then you broke something down to me that I want you to break down for the listeners here. So break it down to me of of how you can look at things. Sure.
1: And let's do this if you don't mind, and, and we said, just for, in case we have some people who are doing this for the first time, or so. Let me go back and quickly first recap um, what brought us to this point. You know, it won't take but a second, uh, because the question you know has come up oftentimes, and 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 people often ask, well, what does the Bible say about becoming financially free, and and how are we going to you know get to that point in our life? And, and there are two, there, there, there's several places where you can find this, but there are two that, in, in my opinion, uh, two, two, two particular scriptures that people ought to take, you know, most heed to. One is, 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 is an issue where um, uh, Joseph, uh, and this is in uh, Genesis, where um, there is a, a, a Pharaoh that has a dream, and he has, uh, his dream is that uh, there are seven fat cows and there are seven skinny cows and the seven skinny cows come and they eat up the seven fat cows, but they remain skinny. Then he dreams that there are seven um, uh, fat ears of corn and seven skinny ears of corn. The seven skinny ears of corn come, they eat the seven fat ears of corn and they remain skinny, even though they are eaten the fat ears of corn. Uh, now, um, so he, he can't find anyone to interpret the dream. And so someone tells him that there is one who's a Hebrew named Joseph that can. And so Joseph tells him a couple of things that leads right into what you just talked about just mm-hmm. now. Uh, one, he said that uh, the the fat cows and the fat ears of corn uh, mean that they're going to be seven good years. And the fact that he he um, dreamed that there were fat cows and fat corn says that uh, God was really trying to tell him something because it was You know, I'm telling you the same thing twice, but telling you two different ways. Now, if you note that the seven um, skinny cows ate the seven fat cows and remained skinny, Mm -hmm. the seven skinny ears of corn ate the seven fat ears of corn and remained skinny, which meant that the bad times were going to be so rough Mm -hmm. that even though they took what you had got in the good years, you would still feel yourself like you were in a negative place, right. you know, and that's why they didn't get any, any you know, any, any better. So what what, what Joseph told the Pharaoh was in order to to um, mitigate your debt, you know, that that situation to set yourself up so that you are living off. You're, you are saving uh, one fifth of all that comes in, which equates to if I'm saving one fifth, you know, as we know, mathematically, that says. I'm living off of four fields, which is 80%. Right. So the concept is I'm going to live off 80% of my income. That's the concept. And, and let me say this because I know a lot of people out here right now that are not doing that mm-hmm. and are questioning how to do that. You know, mm-hmm. how can I get to living off 80% of my income? Well, what you have to do is you have to look at, well, um, what is my discretionary spending and what is my, you know, mandatory spending? I mean, that's, that's basically. And I don't care what income bracket you're in. We all have that, you know, mandatory and discretionary spending. Yes. You know, but we have to clearly identify what is mandatory and what is discretionary. Mm-hmm. And you an example: uh, most people presume that their cable bill is mandatory, or mm-hmm. their, um, you know, right. satellite bill is mandatory. Right. But it is not a mandatory bill. Right. It is a, it is a discretionary spending, and so if 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 if, if for example. I am not at that point, then I may have to decide that rather than watching TV, I read a book. Because mm-hmm. here's what we know, two things. Number one is that I will become um, a, a, a a more well-rounded person if I'm reading, as opposed to watching TV, mm-hmm. and so will my children. So if I'm going to save money, and some people think the opposite, that I don't want to deny my children TV, um, well, some of the best things you can do is deny your children TV. Yeah, I agree right? And say, read a book, Uh, You know, study, and because you really get a a better world view by reading than you do from watching television. Yeah. Okay. This is a simple thing, right? Uh, That 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 one can do. Um, So once you get down to that eighty percent, now the Bible then tells us that um, because of who we are, uh, because we belong to God, that we should reserve ten percent and. Uh, And tithe 10%. So I'm living off 80. I'm banking 10. And that's my investment for my future. And I am giving God 10 because that, you know, is his requirement to, you know. In fact, there's a text that says this. Will a man rob God? But yet ye have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Uh, And he says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That let me meet in mine house and prove me now he was the Lord of hosts. If I will not pour you out, uh, open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. Then he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Okay. So, what that text is saying is that um, uh, most of us feel like when we don't tithe and our hearts and minds that we are not stealing from God. You know, that's why he said, You say, wherein have you robbed me? Because our concept is it don't belong to you, God, it belongs to us. But God is saying, no, it does belong to me. I gave it to you, so it belongs to me. And I gave it to you, and I'm just asking you to return back unto me to show your appreciation for what I have done for you. So he says that when you do that, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And one of the things he says I will do is I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, right? And what he said to them was that their crops would prosper, right? Those kind of things. So they would not have an issue with their, their, their business dealings, which what he's saying basically is if you do that for me, I will make sure that that which you do always prospers, even in lean times, that you may not go forward, but you won't go down. So let's say a person does not have a business, for example, if he's rebuking the devourer for your sake, that means that your car won't break down because, mm-hmm. you know, you won't have a bill that other folk may have. Your car going to last longer. Your refrigerator is going to last longer. All those things going to last longer until you get back to where, until those seven bad years are over with or whatever that period of time is that that you're going through. Uh, So I just want to get a little background so far we kind of see, you know, how we got to where we were. Right. Uh, So now, so the question then becomes, as you said, what if I'm in that, what if, what if I have done all that? You know, I've done exactly what the Bible says do. And now I'm in a bad turn. I'm in a bad place. Well, the reason why he told us to put that 10% away, number one, was because he's saying bad times are going to come. Mm -hmm. Now, if I have done that for a period of time, let's say, I'm really not in a bad place. Now, I mean, I like the place I'm in, but I'm not in a bad place because if I have done that for, let's say, 10 years, then I have equivalent to a full year of my normal income. Right. Just somewhere waiting with nothing to do. Right. So that means uh, if nothing else, I got a full year of income to deal with my situation. Right. Right. That's right. Which was for most people ought to get you out. You, <laughs> right. You know, right. think about it. But the other thing, too, is this. It is how I look at climbing out. Right. And that's mm. what we you and I just talked about. I can look at climbing out as a, a problem. I can look at climbing out as a challenge, uh, you know. And so it depends on how I look at it. Now, when most of us are in the process of gaining, you know, and and, and building ourselves up, we don't look at it as a problem. Mm -hmm. We look at it as a challenge. See, if you start at zero and you work hard to obtain something, you don't be thinking to yourself, this is the worst thing that could have happened to me. (laughs) Right. You look at it like, "Okay, I'm working harder and I'm getting a return from and it's a challenge to you. And we see the problems as an opportunity to do some things. Now, from a business perspective, you know, and I don't know what everybody's business dealings are, their work thing, but from a business perspective, it's what I have found. Sometimes, and the Israelites face the same issue, sometimes we miss opportunity because we are too stubborn to move. Yes. Right. And so sometimes the only way we're going to move is if God sets, puts us in a place where we have no, no choice but to move. So let's say I'm doing everything the Lord told me to do, but I'm facing some difficult things in my life. Well, perhaps it is because God is trying to push you to your right, mm-hmm. but you're so used to going straight ahead, you won't go. Right. So the only way that God gets you to move right is to block everything straight ahead, to force you to go right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I use myself as an example. Um, I had always said to my, I always said to my wife and to you know close friends that I want to retire at the age of forty-five. Um, and everything I had did, you know, in my life up to that point was to put myself in a position so at forty-five I could walk away from the federal government and not have to worry about anything. All right now, I get to forty-five. And by now I am, you know, I'm I'm up into upper, I'm in executive management in the right. federal government. Right. You know, I'm sitting back. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm what we kind of call living the life. Right. And I don't want to go nowhere now because right. in my mind it's like, whoa, that's like my wife said to me, well, why would you want to walk away now? You finally got where you want to go. Okay. If purity hell did not break out, let me tell you. <laughs> And I mean, purity, hail broke out and I could not understand why my God would have me going through all this hail, why I had to be dealing with all this stuff at this point in my life when I finally reached that pinnacle right. of success you know, as an executive in the federal government. And so one day I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm behind my desk and um, I was listening to a, a song on the radio and, and what the song told the story of was the Israelites going through the wilderness to get to the promised land, and how they was complaining going through the wilderness to get to the promised land, and, and, and the commentator said this, isn't it how crazy how we'll ask God to get us to the promised land? But we'll fight hard to go back to where we came from Mm -hmm. because they complained. They kept saying, Lord, why did you bring me out here in this wilderness for us to die? Because they were complaining as he was leading them to the promised land because Mm -hmm. they had to go through some stuff to get there. And it dawned on me. So I've been asked, I've been all, all, most of my career, I've been praying, Lord, position me so I can retire at 45. Mm -hmm. Here I am at 47, and I don't want to do what I've been praying God let me do. Right. And now you got me at a place where I'm so sick of these folk in this federal government, <laughs> I'm putting my papers in. Right. And I did it. And you know what? Have missed a Mr. B. Because in my mind, in my wife's mind, it was like, you don't you leave that income. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. I did it, and I am more prosperous now than I have ever been in my life. Not necessarily because I have more money coming in, but because I have more things coming my way. Right. And and that's the key is that I may not have what, I may not have the money, but I have more of what money can buy. Right. You know because I've right. received that favor from God by doing what He told me to do. So I'm beginning to say this that I felt like at that time, you know, I was about to lose my mind. I felt like I could not make it. I felt like God had abandoned me. Because I just couldn't understand why would you have these people, people that were lying on you, people that are, you know, doing all these diabolical things to ruin your reputation and to ruin your life. Why would you have them doing that? You know, I've been a good person. I've worked hard. I'm, you know, reasonably good folk. Right. And then as soon as I walked away from the federal government, the light bulb went off. It's the best thing you could have ever done. Right. Right. So I guess I'm saying that just to say it depends on the perspective. You never know where God is trying to push you. But if you keep trying to go where you are, maybe the blessing you've been praying for, he's trying to get you to see, hey, you know what? You asked me for it, right? but you don't want to take what I'm giving it. right? So right. I got to push you to take it because yeah. you won't take it the way you ask.
0: me. Yeah. In, in my situation, um, I spent phew, probably 20 years studying the subject of leadership mm-hmm. and, and motivation and stuff. And when the first wave for the business and, um, and mental health industry, with well, all these new MCOs and there's a lot of changes happening, somebody asked me, he was like, uh, so how are you dealing with it? I said, well, the ironic thing is I'm prepared mentally mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. I just never had to actually use the stuff. <laughs> that I have studied, and you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, tried on little things here and there, but I never actually had to use it to where it's game time, mm-hmm. you know? Right, right. So, but I said, I'm using it, but, and this is what I was t- telling you before, but what's not in the brochure, Pastor, <laughs> was that climb or the climb back up the mountain mm-hmm. or the walk through the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, it's. What's not in there is the bear over here in the corner, the snake over here, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tigers and everything that you be that in, your are in the forest, or in that jungle. And, and all you have is that voice, mm-hmm. the voice of God saying, turn left, mm-hmm. turn right. And then when you turn left, there's still something here. And it's like, it's, is what I look at it, pastor, is almost like somewhat of a test. It's like, this is what you asked for. How are you going to put faith in me that I'm gonna pull you out this situation? And then I've prepared you. Mm -hmm. Now you're prepared. You got the tools that you that you Mm -hmm. that you need, right? Mm -hmm. The last tool that you got to have is me Mm -hmm. in order to make it through, right? That's what how I feel in in the situation. And I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm following the plan. But it's like it's hard to get there if like I have okay. I have the, the pleasure of sitting with my pastor mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I have that opportunity. Right. A lot of people out there don't have that opportunity that's going through the same things when sure. God tells them to turn left, they turn left and then they see all this other stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you get past that doubt?
1: Right. That's a good point. It's, it's a good question. And, 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 and I'll say this, um, that uncertainty... Is not just something that um, you feel if you are not uh, uh, grounded in the Word, you know. Biblically, uh, most of the patriarchs at points in their time, you know, had that same kind of uncertainty and that same kind right. of doubt. You know, David had his issues, right? Uh, and 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 in fact, um, you know, we often say, uh, and I've heard preachers uh, talk about that concept. Of, of how to turn a test into a testimony. Um, because if, if you think about all the patriarchs in the Bible, um, there was a period of doubt. And if you think about when the apostles were with, with Christ and, and they, they find themselves on a ship, and these are seasoned fishermen, okay? They're seasoned fishermen, and they find themselves on the ship when Christ is not with them on the boat, and all of a sudden a storm brews up. And the storm is so terrible, in their minds, they're going to perish, that they're going to die. And, and when Jesus gets back to them, you know, he says to them, oh, ye of little faith, you know, why would you doubt? Why do you think I would let you perish? You know, mm-hmm. why would I do that to you? Why would I send you to the other side of the sea if I thought sending you to the other side was going to cause you to die?
0: Right.
1: Now, he said, I never told you that, that you wouldn't have to, have the storm going to the other side, but I didn't tell you to go to the other side. Right. So if I told you to do it, that meant that I was going to make sure you made it, right? And I think that that really is uh, uh, how life is, right? Is that, you know, sometimes our assumption is, if we do what God tells us to do, it means that we will not face a storm, you know? Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean you won't face a storm. Uh-huh. Exactly. In, in fact, uh, the irony of life is this. Everyone faces storms. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust, right? So everyone faces storms. And when I did not know God, I still faced storms. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't like that life just stopped happening and everything was beautiful. The difference is when I face a storm with God, here's what I know. That he has already made a way for my escape. Mm -hmm. That's what I know. When I face a storm with God, here's what I know. It is a pathway to a better me, Mm -hmm. not a pathway to a worse me. So those are the things that I know. And, and 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 that's where my faith is so vitally important, is to understand that. Now, so how does one accrue that faith? That's the other thing, right? Is that like you said, well, when I'm going through, that was not in the brochure. Right. Well, I'll put it to you I'll say this. It was in the brochure, it was in the fine print, we just didn't read it. <laughs> okay. Here's why I say that. Jesus said specifically, if they did it to me. Right. They will do it to you, right? Yeah. If the devil attacked me, what makes you immune to the devil? Right. You know, so right. it, it's, it's in the brochure. It's just, it's in the fine print. No one likes to read the fine print. You know, you, you like I said, you read the Old Testament now. So you know where God put them through at times, right? right? It's right. in there. Right. We just don't think about, well, wait a minute, am I going to be in the wilderness too? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be thirsty and need water from a rock? Am I going to be hungry and, you know, and, and, and need manna? Think about the wilderness journey. They had to eat manna, right? Which mm-hmm. was kind of like um, uh, eating um, soybeans, right? Or something along those lines that when you ground it up, you can make bread out of it. And what if you ate that for 40 years?
0: Mm. Yes, that would be rough. It,
1: it's rough, right? But so it's not like the story isn't in there. Right. It's that we don't digest it that way. But well, again, still, your question is still a valid question. So, so, what do I do? Faith is what you get from experience, right? Um, the Hebrew writers put it this way: When I examine where I have come from, when I look where God has brought me, when I, if I forget my past, then that will cause me to lose my faith. If I can remember my past. And where I have been down before, and I have always succeeded—that God has always delivered me. I don't mm-hmm. care where it was at. And, and and you mentioned the playbook, for example, and you said, you know, now I have to put in—I have to what I have practiced. Now it is time to get in the game with. Right. Well, practice is never as tough as the game, even though the coaches try to simulate the game right. through practice. It is never as tough as the game, right. but it, it is there to prepare me for the game. Now, when I get in the game, I have one of two choices. I can say, you didn't prepare me hard enough. Therefore, I'm going to give up and not play. Yeah. If I give up and not play, I have lost the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Automatic. And automatically, I've lost the game. And you, and, and, and those of you who, who watch football games, you, you have seen teams, I'll give you a good example when the Indianapolis Colts played the Kansas City Chiefs, no, it was up. evident. <laughs> it was evident in the first quarter that they mentally were not, they weren't there. They gave up in the first quarter, okay? It wasn't they were not prepared. They, they had one of the best quarterbacks in the league, mm-hmm. right? They had one of the best running backs in the league. He was after, you know, seven yards of carry during the playoff period. All right. It wasn't that. It wasn't that they didn't have a good coach. It's that they gave up. Now they had practiced hard, but they didn't. They didn't play, thinking they could win, and therefore they lost. Right. It's the same thing about life, like you said. You know, you, we've gone through the stuff. We've gone through the, the. We've gone through the the learning period, managing the plays, learning the plays, and having the mark practice and trying to simulate what it's going to be like when we have to get in the game. But when you're in the game, if you expect the game to be less difficult than the practice, then that's what throws you for a loop. Mm-hmm. Because now you feel like, wow, I can't take this anymore. But faith is not expecting that. Faith is expecting the game to be tougher than the practice, but knowing I got the best coach. Right. <laughs>
0: Right, you know, yeah, exactly right. And and I, when I coach people, people personally and in business, I'll I equate everything to my sports background, and I come up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people may not may not know this when they watch watching sports, but a lot of the game plan is what if this, what if this, then that. Sure. So meaning that if this happens, I do this. If this mm-hmm. happens, do, but you write it down. So you get it out of your head. Mm -hmm. You get it on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And if you watched any sports at all, there's somebody either with a clipboard and you see this little scribble up there Mm -hmm. or you see somebody with a um, a laminated sheet Mm -hmm. with front and back. And that's all the what ifs if this happens to do this. Mm -hmm. The ironic thing now in the Bible is life's playbook. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say out of what is like 1,500 pages that you got to look through to find, you know, to get your stuff together. But still, you could go into the Bible, look at certain scenarios and Google it and then create your own playbook of if this happens, this is what I need to do. Right. And then don't question it. And that's one of the biggest things that I got to deal with Mm because I'm a logical, logical thinking person. Mm -hmm. Is is not questioning if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's like yeah, it don't make any sense. But you just you know what? Let me just do it anyway because all I care about is the result. It's like if I want the result, mm-hmm. why should I care if it don't make sense to me right now?
1: Absolutely. And I will give you an old school example of that. And and, and I know this, this is gonna be going back a few years, uh, but I'm gonna use the same same analogy. You use when when it when it, when the coats were uh, uh, still had. Uh, Paid Manning as quarterback, and they were down like twenty-three points in the fourth quarter in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Okay, now y- your logical thinking is simple: we're twenty-three down, we're in the fourth quarter, we got Paid Manning, we're gonna throw the ball, right? That's logical thinking. And just as you said, they had already had in their playbook and in their mind, they already practiced all the different scenarios. Okay, and 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 so. Uh, they get to the line of scrimmage and, well, I think, let me back up. Before they get to the line of scrimmage, Marvin Harrison, who's a wide receiver, Peyton Manning says, come to him and says, run the ball. And you know there's not a wide receiver right. anywhere that's <laughs> right. thinking run the ball because right. they're thinking it's pass the ball. It's, logically, it doesn't make sense, right? right? But Peyton Manning said, coming from Marvin, that meant, you know what? He sees something I don't see. He gets to the line of scrimmage and he changes the play. Even though the defense is set up to protect against the run, he changes the play and runs it anyway and the guy gets through the line because they had that, that uh, uh, eight, eight, hey man, eight, eight man up in the box. Right. As soon as he got through the eight man box, what's behind him? Nothing. Nothing but daylight. <laughs> Nothing but daylight. Right. Boom. So, and so the Bible, his Bible is, is a similar situation. See, Marvin for some reason saw what nobody else saw, right? a breakdown in the defensive line. They didn't see that, but Marvin saw it, right. okay? Now, here's what the Bible, in Deuteronomy 29, the 29th chapter, uh, God says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, which means uh, you may not see the secret thing. You may not see the breakdown in the line. <laughs> right. you know, we may not, it, so, so to us, it may not make sense but to Marvin, it made perfectly good sense to God. What he's telling us to do is logical. It makes perfectly good sense. We just can't see what he can see, right? We can't see the future just like they couldn't see that that Lyman was gassed. Right,
0: right, (laughs) that's right. You know, (laughs) absolutely right on that. And so uh, when
1: we follow the plan, when we go through and follow God's plan, what happens is we are guaranteed victory. That's what his word says. If you do it, I will. It didn't say I might. It said I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, meaning that I will take care of it for you. I will do it for you. And 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 here's the, here's another irony of, irony of it, you know. And I know that there are people out there right now that are afraid to do one simple thing. That's time. I know they are because I used to be afraid to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Afraid to do it. Here's the thing. If you ask anybody who tithes, here's what they'll tell you. Before I did it, I didn't know how it was going to work. After I did it, I got more than I've ever had. My income didn't increase. They'll tell you something like that. But I got more than I ever had. The irony of it is this. They'll listen to those testimonies and still won't follow what those testimonies
0: suggest. Right. And and what's funny, in situations like that, you'll be sitting there looking at a, Let's say a thirty-two inch TV. Boy, I would love to have me one of them sixty-five inch TVs, mm-hmm. but I can't go get it because I got to tie it. But then what happens? You go tie it, and then you go sit down. and the paper comes. The TV you was looking at is marked down the pr- down past the price of what mm-hmm. you tied. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I now I can afford the TV. Right. It's like it's little things like that 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 you don't really pay attention to that happens,
1: and it does it all the time. And I'll tell you that, not only that, here's another thing I'll tell you is that people will have testimony from their friends about how tithing works and they won't tithe, but then they'll hear something on TV about how to get, you know, get financially secure and they'll follow that. Right. And then get mad because it didn't work. Right. You, you know, or they'll buy, they'll, they'll buy a book from an author that his sole purpose of selling the book is so he can make money. Right. You know, and if, because had that been for him selling the book, he wouldn't be making money. Right. That's right. That's right. But but you got another book.
0: But <laughs> and, no, I'm going to take it a step that's further. That's proven, right? I'm taking it a step further. <laughs> you, you got the MBA, right? Yes. And, and, and what is it in? It's in management. It's in management, right? management. With an emphasis in economics. In economics. So <laughs> oh, your yes. pastor got an MBA with emphasis in economics. And if you follow the Bible. So if you got any questions, Oh yeah just hit past up. It's, sometimes the it's so the solution be so simple mm-hmm. that we just miss it and, and many
1: of the business you know the, many of the business models are based out of the Bible yeah now when the business model conflicts with the Bible and there are some to do that let me say that when the business models that I learned conflict with the Bible, I used to go with the business model I learned. what I found is that it didn't work. So now I always go with the business model of the Bible. Always. If there's a conflict, I always go with the Bible. You know, for example, get a quick business model. And I know everybody out here, there that we, you know, we're talking about financial freedom about may not have this as an issue, but just as an example, you know, here's what we know, uh, that when you're dealing with resources, right? You know, we always say that, 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 that you got land, right? You got capital and you got human resources. Those that, that the basic resources you have from an economic standpoint, right? And we always say that, they, that our most valuable resource is human capital. That's what we always say, right? Well, think about this for a minute. What did Jesus tell the apostles? The same thing. Mm-hmm. See, Jesus, he took, he got them together, right? And the Bible says he taught them. He taught them, they had OJT, and he sent them out <laughs> to right. put it in practice what he had taught them, and he called them back to him and he said, now, tell me how it worked. And then he told them why what they did did or did not work. <laughs> so they kept, you know, they learned Then they go back out Then they got it right. And then once he left, he said, now you're ready. Right. Now you're ready. And then he left and they were on their own. And franchising. Right. The first they, version bingo. of, fr- right. Bingo. <laughs> and so now what? Each one of them went to their separate location. They were, they were assigned a location to take care of. They, they did that. And then they did the same thing. They apostolized people. You know, and then they sent them out to locations. And so it spread. Boom, boom, boom. It was the fastest spreading religion we have ever known. Okay. Same concept. Similar concept. Now, I can tell you this. We in the business community say that we believe that concept. There's not a businessman. I shouldn't say there's not a businessman. But most business people do not really think their human capital is their most valuable asset.
0: Yeah.
1: I agree. Right. Right. Right now, they're fighting, they're fighting, they, well, they won the battle too, to not increase minimum wage in the state of Virginia to $15. Right. Why did they fight against it? Because they didn't think their human capital was their most valuable asset. Right. If they did, they would have gladly made it $15 an hour as minimum wage without it having to go through legislation. Right? Right. But I tell you what, none of those businessmen will say, I'm not going to buy this property. None of those businessmen will not look to get a five percent return on an investment, mm-hmm. right? They'll get a one percent return because all they all, all they want to do is beat inflation, right? So if the inflation rate is three percent, if I'm getting four percent, I'm winning, right? Right? But they act like giving employees that little bit of raise won't get them a better investment. When you think of turnover, mm-hmm. if if I if, if I'm getting if if I get turnover, if if my rate of turnover is every two years, I'm losing money. Mm-hmm. And when you pay a minimum wage, your turnover is like every six to nine months. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it is. Right?
1: So I'm just saying, All see, right. that's a biblical principle that we don't apply. Mm-hmm. You know, when we know, even from our business learning, that that is something that you should invest in.
0: Uh, so it's the same. So, now, one thing, too, for the people that's listening, that if you don't own a business and you're working for a business, take a look at their business model. Is it following what the Bible says? And that will let you know whether or not it's either time for you to, to leave mm-hmm. or stay where you're at. you at. Because you could be saying, I don't, I don't like this, I don't like my new, I don't like this position, I don't like this job. Mm-hmm. But if they're following the Bible, okay, maybe I should stay here versus going over there where I Absolutely. know they're not following the principles of the
1: Bible. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Burger King versus Chick-fil-A.
1: Right. I couldn't agree <laughs> with you more. Absolutely. Because that two things. Number one, the one that's following the Bible, they're going they're gonna be more profitable. Mm-hmm. They're going to take care of their employees better, right? right? And, and in the long run, you're going, you're going to win. You're going to win. A perfect example would you gave: Burger King, Chick Fil A. Look where Burger King. Look where Burger King's uh, stock is now. Look where Chick Fil A stock is now. Right. Chick Fil A does not open on Sundays. On Sundays. Burger King don't want to ever close. Right. They're afraid <laughs> of losing a dollar. Right. But the guy that owns Chick Fil A understands something that the Bible says: I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will make sure that you prosper. And that's the principle that he's going by. And you can drive by any, any Chick-fil-A any time of day, and you got to stand in line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can go by the Harry Burger King any time <laughs> of day.
0: <and laughs> you're right there at the door.
1: Right you right there getting in. Right. You know, so again, but, you know, and that's, that's the thing. So, you know.
0: So we see the examples every day mm-hmm. of what, what you should do financially mm-hmm. through either through business or personal life And another thing too, Pastor, I want to make sure everybody understands that just because the more money you have, if your cash flow is still tight, Mm -hmm. if you got a million dollars every month, and your cash flow is you got $990,000, mm-hmm. know, you know, and you only got $10,000 to pay your bills with and you got $20,000 worth of bills, mm-hmm. you're in the same boat as somebody just getting $1,500 a month. Absolutely. So it's not, now granted the person, it might be a little bit more comfortable right. where they Life lifestyle-wise, but right. it's, the same, it's the same mental aspect on somebody um, going through it if they're supposedly wealthy versus somebody in the mm-hmm. you know, lower middle class. And then I was listening to this thing, and, and this person asked this guy "Is rich. He said, man, it must be nice walking in a house like that, looking at his cars and all that stuff. And the guy said to him, you know, after about six months, you get used to this. Mm-hmm. It becomes your house. Mm-hmm. That Rolls Royce or so that Bentley is just a car. hmm I'm going after more deeper things. He was talking, he was more religious guy. He said, I'm going to connection with God Mm -hmm. and, and being more holistic for myself because I know all this other stuff don't really mean nothing. It's nice to have, but Mm -hmm. after six months it becomes normal. Right. So for the people that's out there that are, you know, striving to have this and have that, have the big house and all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. You want the big house, the bigger the house, the more you got to clean. Absolutely. You know, (laughs) And, and I, I not
1: only that let me, let me and I'm echo just echoing what you're saying is that again I'm, I'm, I'm just going that back to how do I get started How do I get to that that basic principle mm-hmm. of, of living off 80%, right? How do I do that? Well, a lot of times that car payment is a little bit too much so I can't do that 80% rule really. right here's the, here's the deal. this is what my father always taught me. He said when you're inside the car, you can't see the outside. Mm-hmm. And most people don't drive their car from the outside. They drive their car from the inside. He says, so how your car looks is not for your benefit. It's for the people in the world benefit because they're the ones looking at you when you drive. Mm-hmm. He said, why would you spend all that money just so somebody else can be happy that you're driving the car? Mm-hmm. You know, right. Because bottom line, when you're inside the car, here's what you need. Air conditioning, mm-hmm. heat. Right. And and if you like some music, <laughs> some form of music. Right. Now, I can get that without spending ninety thousand dollars. Yeah. I I can get a comfortable car without spending money. Now, if you have it, then you do it, right? Because that's your thing. But the bottom line is when you're inside the car, you really have no clue what the outside looks like because you're inside the car. That's right. The same thing about, let's say, a house 2,000 versus 4,000 square feet. How many rooms am I actually going to live in? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, really, how often do people with dining rooms eat in the dining room? Right. You know, I can tell you, I haven't eaten in my dining room not one time in
0: 2018. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and the only time we ate in here was uh, Thanksgiving. Right, if was company come <laughs> over right. right.
1: Cause most of us eat, eat in the kitchen, like yeah. we did when we were kids. Right, that's right. Or you eat, you know, watching the TV or something along those lines. Right. How, you can't sleep, you don't sleep in one bedroom. It's not like you sleep in one bedroom this day and right. one bedroom the next day and one bedroom the next day. Yeah, we don't do all that, right? So that that's the thing, is that the Bible doesn't say God will supply your every want. It says God will supply your every need. And, and so, you know, so that's what I should be concerned about. Because getting wants don't necessarily make one happy. You're not happier with a 4,000 square foot house. You just have a four thousand square foot house. It don't mean your marriage is better. You know, it doesn't mean your kids are smarter. You know, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. Driving a Bentley or driving a Chevy. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden you know you, you you know your kids are more intelligent and they're going to graduate from college. Yeah, that's right. It, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden your wife is going to come home and cook breakfast and cook lunch and cook dinner and clean the house. It doesn't mean that. You mm-hmm. know, as a matter of fact, it probably means it less <laughs> because because <laughs> the big, like as you said, the bigger the house, the less likely she's going to clean that whole house. Right. So I mean, I think that's the thing that we have to look at as well as that. You know, am I trying to be happy? based on a false narrative, mm-hmm. you know? So am I trying to gain it with the assumption that gaining will make me happy? Uh, if, it, if my mother said to me a while back, because there used to be a point in my life when I, I worked three jobs, you know? And she said, why are you working three jobs? And I said, because I'm trying to get this and trying to get, trying to get that. She said, but by the time you get it, you're not going to be able to enjoy it because your body's going to be broke down. Why don't you not just enjoying where you are right now mm-hmm. rather than continually trying to try get more? You don't even enjoy what you have. She was absolutely correct. I was not enjoying things. My family was not enjoying me because I was never home. Right. I was always gone. Trying and then, to then when you was home, dollar. you was tired. I'm just as irritable as I can be. <laughs> I would come home and I would yell at the kids, y'all, cut all that noise out. Right. Get upstairs. You know, you know and Debbie would say, my wife would say to me, well, isn't it their house too? You know, shouldn't they be able to enjoy the house? Just like, did, did you buy the house just so we could look at it? Or did you buy the house so they could enjoy the house? You know, I, I was so irritable because I was, you know, working so much. And, and so what they said was absolutely true. Is that, see, when you get back to what really matters in life, mm-hmm. what really matters in life, it changes your scope. and So then you can say, well, listen, am I trying to make more money to get to eighty twenty? Why don't I just reduce my expenses to get to 80-20? Mm-hmm. And then once I reduce my expenses, let me go ahead and invest the way the Bible tells me to invest. That way I know it's gonna come. It's, it, you're never going the stock market is never gonna keep rising. You're never gonna have a bull market forever, <laughs> it, right. you, you know. It, it, interest rates are never gonna rise and never drop. It's going all. the housing is never gonna rise and never drop. It's always gonna be a decline. We, everything always works in cycles. So we know the down cycle is going to come. We know that. But if I if I if I do what the Bible says, when the down cycle comes, I may not get more money, but I
0: won't lose money either. Right. I, know I will just spend the money I have saved. And then which we'll maybe get into next week mm-hmm. is talk about how you can benefit from the downturn. Everybody can. If you're positioned right. If you're positioned right. Doing right, the upturn. Right. You know. Uh, you're absolutely true.
1: And so, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that's that that that, that I, I, you know we we could, we probably could run about five series, <laughs> oh yeah, five talks in this series, uh, and and and, and with great examples of how God can make a way for you, and 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 one of these series, I'm gonna say, we, we, it needs to be, we need to also help people to to focus on the idea that, uh, as as the, as the rapper said, more money can mean more problems. Oh yeah. You know, and and that there's a concept in the Bible that says that I've learned to be content. And at some point, you have to ask yourself, is my purpose on this earth just to get more things? Or is my purpose on this earth to make the earth a better place? And and, and so if that's driving you, it also changes how you think about
0: trying to always gain
1: wealth, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: But anyway, uh, I think we've got a good point there. So stay tuned for next week and we'll come again with part, this be part three of our series. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. I'm Hill CB Baker. Till next time.